following is not legal advice coming from an attorney. Nothing more than a father speaking from his own experience. Should you need actual legal advice, contact an attorney. It's time for another episode of The Father's Truth. The show where real men band together, stand up for father's rights, and bring the father's truth out of the darkness, out of the darkness, and in to the light. Giving fathers a voice everywhere. A broadcast brought to you by the Father's Lives Matter Network. Here's your host, Alan Donovan. Alrighty, everybody. Good evening. I hope everybody has had a good Monday. Mine was long. But I'm glad it's over. So welcome to the show tonight. So I'm going to do something a little bit different for tonight's show. Usually I have a father on that is going through some issues and I bring him on to talk about it. But tonight I'm actually going to do something different. I'm going to bring a young man on, Skyler from Canada. And the reason why I am bringing him on is he saw one of my videos or one of my interviews that I did earlier this summer with Chloe Roma and he reached out to me and said hey Alan do you mind if I use some of your stuff in a video I'm making and so I said well hey let's uh, let's talk on the phone first so I can kind of get an idea of who you are and what exactly you're doing so I talked to him very very nice young man um, and he's speaking out against uh, injustices basically and so he was nice enough to feature me in a video on his YouTube channel so I'm turning around and I am returning the favor and featuring him in one of my videos. So let's go ahead and get him in here. Skyler, come on down, buddy. So we're just waiting. We'll start the show. Hello. Hey, Skyler. How are you, buddy? Not too bad. How are you? Doing good, doing good. So, hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, no worries. Can I just put this down? Can you still hear me if I put you down here like this? Yeah. Yep. I can hear okay. you. Are you okay, able to awesome. hear me okay? Yep. I can hear you as well. Well, so first off, I wanted to uh, thank you for doing a video on me and uh, doing a video on Fathers Lives Matter and what I'm doing to get the word out about Fathers and men in general. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I liked what you did. And when I was doing some research on Chloe, I'd seen she did a interview with you. And after looking through some of your stuff, I figured I, I would feel comfortable directing people towards, you know, what you're doing. I think you're genuine. So I wanted to make a video highlighting that. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it very much. Um, you know, like I told you, it's very hard to get something like this off the ground just because, you know, there's everybody and their brother out there doing videos and trying to get the word out about stuff. But, you know, being that this was something that I personally went through and I know millions of fathers around the world are dealing with this, you know, I wanted to make it public and I wanted to get the word out, but we're not here to talk about me or what I'm doing. We're here to talk about you. All right. Sounds good. So, um, one of the things that I noticed on the comments on your video that you did of me on YouTube, you mentioned mm. that your father wasn't in your life really a whole lot when you were growing up. And I kind of wanted to talk to you about that because one of the things that I've been looking to do is I've been looking to get somebody on the show, somebody who's younger, who did not have their father in their life. 
really, and kind of get their perspective on it. Um, so they can kind of give us what it was like growing up without their father. Okay. All right. So, I mean, feel free to start off wherever you would like. Okay. Um, well, growing up, we, well, my parents had owned a few houses. They had never ended up getting married, but they'd owned a few places. And then um, some some problems arose, but I'm not quite sure what they were exactly because I was quite young. Uh, so my dad ended up selling all of the houses and we moved out to a small town and life kind of just got a little bit weird, like cops always showing up to the house and stuff like that. Um, and I don't quite know what was like truth or not growing up because my mom told me a lot of terrible stories. Like at one point we had a BB shot through our front window and she could have swore that it was my dad. But fast forward into the future, speaking with some of my siblings and stuff, like my older brother, who's 40, he was like, I, I don't think it was your dad who would have done that. But my mom kind of wanted to sort of spin that narrative that like he was, he was all bad. Um, but growing up, like, I, I don't really remember him being an awful person that much. But I do remember a few instances where he was kind of being a jerk. Sorry. Um, and so we moved away and that was, that was actually pretty rough. I remember crying and stuff and we moved away. And over the years, uh, my mom kind of just kept telling me about how, how awful my dad was and how like we couldn't see him and stuff because he was a bad person and so on and so forth. Um, and that went on for quite a while until I think I was about 16 or 17 years old. And my mom had finally said, you know, like once you're once you're ready and old enough, you can go meet your dad on your like own accord, because um, she she said that she didn't want him to taint uh, my views basically on you know her or or life or whatever. Um, and finally, he had reached out to me, and I still wasn't really ready to meet him yet, so I had ignored it. And uh, probably about a year later, he had messaged me again, and I had said, you know what, I'll come out for for some food with you or whatever mm -hmm. so we had gone out for food and he was like oh well where's your sister right and i was like well i didn't want to bring her just in case like you're an asshole right and then this is a bust uh so we went out for food it was good uh i didn't i didn't mind that um and shortly after my mom actually passed away so um um the relationship with my dad was kind of weird though, like more less like a father and more like a friend, I suppose. Cause I did, I don't, I didn't really know the guy. Right. I didn't have anybody growing up who was like a real father or anything. Like the closest thing was like my brother or my buddy's friends or like my buddy's dad. Um, so that was kind of like the closest thing, but I didn't really have much of a male, uh, a positive male influence in my life. So that, that was kind of, kind of rough. And I think I'd missed out a lot on uh, some father activities. Like even uh, shortly after I met my dad, we had built a shed in his backyard together. And I think that's kind of something that, you know, typical father son would yeah. probably do. And I was like, wow, that's like an experience. Right. So, so bro, growing up without your dad, you know, I know that's tough. You know, I'm a product of divorce myself. You know, I was stuck in the middle of a tug of war with my parents and 
you know, growing up, my dad lived just a couple miles down the road from me and I would only hear from him every now and again. Basically it was like, you know, the, you know, annual six month call to just find out if I was still alive. And Mm -hmm. that was pretty much for the most part, you know, his influence in my life. And I know that messed me up. So what was it like for you to, you know, basically grow up without your dad in your life and have no idea about him other than, you know, what your mom may or may not have told you? Well, it it was definitely rough. I mean, I saw my friend who had both of his parents and I saw, you know, what they, they were doing and accomplishing. And, uh, I think that definitely had, sorry, there's a moth, um, that had a influence on kind of some of my later life decisions because I didn't really have the guidance, uh, or really a strong male figure in my life to kind of direct me in the right way. Um, But I think the hardest part was I didn't really get to make the choice right away whether or not my dad was an asshole or if he was actually a good guy because of all the stories I was told growing up, right? My mom always painted him in a terrible light. Like every time he was brought up in a conversation, it was like, this is why your dad is a piece of shit. And like, I hate him and I kind of want him to die. So I think that had a a huge effect on, on my mental health, I would say. So it definitely colored your view on your dad and those, those experiences or decisions that you're talking about. I'm assuming that, you know, they were negative decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I was younger, um, I would, you know, break into people's cars or, you know, steal from people, things like that. And then also substance abuse, alcohol to try and, you know, dampen the, the effects of everything I was experiencing, you know, from, from growing up to what I was dealing with in my, in my everyday life at that time as well. So it was, I definitely made a lot of negative choices. And if you look at the statistics now, these are just statistics for the U S I don't know about Canada and the rest of the world, but uh, primarily if you look at the statistics on uh, fatherless homes, you're going to see crime, drugs, alcohol, pregnancy, you know, all these, all these statistics are way off the charts for kids that grow up in fatherless homes. And, you know, I read one report where it was saying we are facing an issue where we have two generations, not just one, but two generations that have gone through this cycle without fathers. And they're raising their kids without fathers. And, you know, if you look at the news, I don't think it's any coincidence that there's so much negativity in the world. And it can be traced back to that being a primary issue that there's just not fathers in the homes. Because when I work with these dads and I talk to these dads around the world, you know, and it's not just the U.S. or Canada, it's around the world. One of the things that I'm told, you know, is these mothers will not let these fathers be in their children's lives. And usually it's like what you dealt with, you know, these fathers are painted in a very negative light to the kids from Mm -hmm when they're little four and five years old on up through 18 years. And, you know, like you, you get this feeling, you know, that your dad is just a big piece of shit and you don't Mm -hmm. want anything to do with them because your mom told you this. And, you know, we know how people view moms. Okay. They look at mothers as primarily, they can't do no wrong. You know, I was very much a mother's boy growing up. I'll be the first to admit that. But, you know, by doing this, it's very traumatic to the children. 
Yeah, you know? yeah, it, it's definitely rough. You know, and it just, it should not be that way. It should not be that way at all. So now when you finally did meet your father, you guys went out to dinner and then you were able to, I, I guess, essentially have your first real memory with him. And that was building yeah. a shed in the backyard. How did yeah. the relationship progress after that? How is the relationship now? Um, well, at first, the relationship was quite good. Um, I would go out to his place. He lives in a in a small town outside the city here. So I would go out to his place, whatever. We would drive up there, and I could meet my younger half-siblings. Um, I would play with them at the park or you know, if he needed work done in the in the shop, he does his own work at home. So if he needed work done it in the garage, then I would, you know, help him with whatever car or whatever. And then, you know, we would have dinner or pizza or whatever it was. Um, and I think, like, at first, the relationship was quite good, I would say personally. And uh, I was definitely getting a lot more comfortable. But as time progressed, um, my younger sister as well would go out there and hang out with them and stuff. And as time progressed, um, my dad thought that my sister was using him for money and like for free things and stuff like that. And he had kind of talked down on her. So I was definitely upset about that. I mean, me and my sister are as close as ever. So, so you're, you say you're being very protective of your sister. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so that's totally understandable. Yeah, so, like, I didn't completely cut him off, but I'd kind of cut ties a little bit. Like, he still messages me on Facebook, and I message him and stuff as well. But uh, I would say since that incident, the visits and, you know, kind of my want to hang out with him or be around him has kind of gone down a little bit, or probably significantly since since the incident there. Um, so but. Now, do you think, no, no problems. Do you think if your dad had been in your life, you know, primarily when you were growing up till now, do you think the relationship would have been different or do you think it still would have, you know, met the same fate? Uh, I, th I really couldn't say because I mean, if he was there as a father, I think the relationship would have probably been stronger. But at the same time, like, there's nothing that I would let get between me and my sister. So, like, if if he were to say the same thing to my sister, even if we grew up with him, I think I would still still be in the same position. I think, for me personally, my sister is the most important person in probably in the world right now. So, I feel like it, it would probably be the same way if if it progressed and you know, he felt that, that she was using him for money and, and stuff, then I would probably feel the same way. But I think maybe even growing up with him, that feeling that he has that she was using him for the money may have not even been there in the first place. So it's definitely possible that the relationship could have been better. So now your sister growing up, did she have the same experience that you had with your mom and painting your dad in a, in a, in a very negative light? Yeah, yeah, we both we both got fed the 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 dog shit spoon, if you will, from yeah. from that point of view. So now, so let me ask you this, and I I think this is kind of a very important question because I look back at my own upbringing, and you know I should have asked my mom, but did you ever ask your mom if that was the truth about your dad or anything like that, or did you just take 
what your mom had said and just leave it at that? Uh, basically, the way my mom kind of worked was if you say anything or question her authority is how she would put it, right? Oops, sorry. Um, it was kind of, it was trouble town, basically. If, if you said, oh, like, you know, are you sure that's how it happened or something along those lines, she'd be thinking, like, oh, you think I'm a liar or or don't put words in my mouth or, you know, you're you're doing this and that. So I think, I think it would have gone pretty bad, but I've never actually asked directly. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So let's go five years from now, or let's actually go 10 years from now. You know, do you think that your relationship is going to be any better with your father than what it is now? I think if he were to, I would say, step up and apologize to my sister and be like, look, I was wrong, then I would be able to forgive him, I think, for that. And it's not that I hate the guy or anything. Like I, like I said, I still talk to him here and there. Um and I even went out last year before all the coronavirus stuff. So I don't hate the guy by any means, but I think especially as an adult and considering me and my sister got thrust into the adult world, just out of the blue by my mom dying. Right. So I think he should own up and be the adult in this situation and reach out and be like, Hey, look, you know, I screwed up and you know, let's, let's, you know, refresh this relationship. Start over. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and it's hard because you didn't have that bond with your father growing up. So like you said, you know, it's not so much that he's your father necessarily, but more like he's a friend or maybe an acquaintance, so to speak. Yeah. There's not really that bond there. So I can absolutely understand where you're going with that. But if I could, could I give you some advice if you don't mind? Sure. Yeah. So how old were you when your mom died? I was 18. Okay. My mom died when I was 22. Okay. My dad passed away. Oh, three years ago, three years ago, next month. And, you know, I tried over the years as I became an adult to kind of rebuild my relationship with them because I knew that that was a, a huge part of my life that I missed out. Mm. And, you know, we were able to kind of rebuild it, but there was always, always that white elephant in the room, you know, that tension in the room, you know, because of the things that he had failed to do as a father when I was growing up. And we can never, you know, we can never make that, that relationship whole again. Mm. But, you know, I wish, you know, now that he is gone now, you know, and I have a lot of animosity towards my father. You know, one of the things that, I always tell somebody when they ask, you know, how'd you become such a good father? You know, I tell people, well, my mom was my, was my main influence. You know, she taught me how to love unconditionally, you know, all the, all the different things that a mother does. Whereas my dad, on the other hand, he taught me how to not be a father. And by that, I mean, you know, he showed every bad aspect that a father could from not caring about their child not financially supporting their child, all this, all these different things. And so, you know, he taught me how to not be a dad, but I wish now that maybe I had reached out to him, even though he had this huge 
you know, a huge issue or there was a huge issue with how he was not in my life. I still wish, you know, in some degrees that I had reached out to him and said, Hey, you know, I know you were kind of a crappy dad when I was growing up and you weren't there, but we're both adults. You know, I forgive you for what you did. You know, I wish I would have done that, you know, so if I could give you any kind of life advice, you know, maybe step up and do that. I know it's hard and I know that you care a lot about your sister and you've got her back, but you only get one dad, you know, and it, you know, maybe if you did step up and say, Hey, you know, I want to talk to you about what you said to my sister, you know, maybe that could foster a new beginning to you guys, you know, and it's just something to think about, you know, because I've been down that road, you know, I, I hate seeing other people go down, a road that they don't necessarily have to. And mm. it's a huge thing. I understand that. And, you know, I understand that you may have feelings where you're just like, you know what, fuck it. I don't even want to deal with that. I totally understand that. And that's totally fine. But, you know, just if I could give you that little bit of advice, you know, maybe reach out to the guy. You never know what mm. might happen. You know, and it might make you feel better. One of the big things that I've learned in the last five years since this all started is forgiveness. That's a huge thing Mm. Um, because I had a lot of animosity towards my son's mom, you know, for putting me in the position that I was in and putting, you know, our son in that position. But, you know, I learned that that animosity, if I let it, it's just going to fester and fester. And honest to God, Skylar, that shit's cancer, man. If Mm. you let that eat you up inside, it will ruin everything good about you. And I made the decision that I'm going to be the bigger person and, you know, I'm going to extend that olive leaf and, you know, I'm going to forgive her for everything that she did. And there's a lot of healing in forgiveness. You know, a lot of people don't really think about that, that when you choose to forgive somebody, you know, you're releasing a lot of toxin that has built up over the years, you know, cumulative, and it can really work wonders. So, I mean, you know, just keep that in the back of your mind, you know, and maybe someday you'll be ready to take that step and say, Hey, you know, dad, I forgive you. Yeah, I, d- I definitely understand the forgiveness aspect. I went through a, a bit of a situation with somebody I called a friend uh, and holding on to the hatred for him just burnt me right out. I mean, it didn't take, or it took me getting sober to finally let go of a lot of the stuff I was angry about. But uh, I definitely feel a lot better now that I've forgiven that guy. So, yeah. I, you know, and, and definitely... the thing, the thing with forgiveness is, you know, you're not ignoring everything that happened that brought you to that spot, you know, to that fostered that hate, you know, in your heart. You're not forgetting about that. You're just simply choosing to let it go. You're simply choosing to say, okay, this does not define me. This does not control my life. You know, Mm. I'm going to rise above that and I'm going to squash it. And I tell you, man, it works wonders. You know, it doesn't repair what's already been done. But, you know, it makes you feel a hell of a lot better going forward. You know, so maybe, you know, just give that some thought. Um, But let's let's talk about something else. Let's talk about why you reached out to me. Okay. Roma. Now, yeah. When I was, before I had her on, you know, every now and again, I will throw something out to my followers and say, hey, who should I have on? 
Mm -hmm. And one of, you know, I got a lot of requests to have Chloe Roma on. And before I had her on, I didn't know who she was. I had never heard about her. Nothing. You know, I I know that I have a lot of followers that follow her, you know, which Mm -hmm. is fine. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm going to check this chick out and see who she is. So, you know, I started watching some of her videos, some of her TikTok stuff. Mm. And I thought, you know, it's not a bad message. It's not bad at all. You know, and so I reached out and I got her on the show. And uh, (laughs) before I got her on the show, I had some people find out that I was having her on the show. And Mm. let me tell you, my my messages blew up. You know, I had one guy that called me multiple times. Gosh, she must have emailed me two or three hundred times easily. You know, saying, hey, don't have her on, you know, this, 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 and this. So I went ahead and I handed, I had her on anyways, because the way I look at it is, you know, I don't condone what somebody does. You know, I'm not here to say, well, you know, you shouldn't do that. And that's bad. You know, a lot of people, when they see my show, they throw up, you know, well, you're a journalist. No bullshit. I'm not a journalist. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just a dude doing a show having interesting people on, you know, if they're doing something shitty on the side or lying about stuff, you know, that's not my business. You know, right. they're over here doing their thing. I'm over here doing my thing, whatever. So how did you get involved with the whole Chloe Roma and the Roma's army? Well, I know her personally, like in real life. Oh, uh, we, oh. Yeah. So we're in the same city. Um, and my girlfriend and her actually go like way back, um, quite quite a few years. Um, and the Chloe that I knew and that I was told about through people that we knew and my girlfriend and stuff, um, she was less than a desirable person to be around in those times back then. So um, my girlfriend was kind of getting involved with Chloe's movement and stuff. And Chloe was like, look, I'm going to make you famous. We can do this together. It's going to be great. And, you know, we'll, we'll do good. Right. And then fast forward a little while and things start getting a little bit weird. Chloe is doing certain things that, you know, would seem unethical, I I would say. Um, And that's when I started to take a dislike. And, but I kept that in within myself out of respect for my girlfriend's friend and, you know, what they were doing. And not too long later, my girlfriend finally goes, that's it, I'm done with Chloe. And that's when I made my first video about Chloe and what she was doing. Now, so, when, when you made your first video, what were the reactions that you got? Because I watched some of your YouTube stuff talking mm-hmm. about that. And it looked like some pretty serious negative reactions. Uh, at first, it was actually really positive for the most part. So in the first 150 days, I got about 9,000 views and about 650 likes. And a lot of the comments were like, hey, like, this is what she's done to me. you know, Or, hey, this is like, like, I'm glad you're speaking up. Or, hey, keep doing videos about this because it's important. And even some people um, shouting me out on their TikToks and stuff and posting my video on TikTok for other people to see. Uh, at first, it was very positive, but in the last, I would say, month, the views have probably gone up two times since then, and in came about uh, six or seven hundred dislikes and uh, hold wi- a whole wide range of of 
negative comments. I definitely got negative comments before, but it was kind of few and far between. But now lately, it's been pretty nasty. Now, why why do you think that is? Do you think it's just solely because you are speaking out against somebody that these people idolize? I definitely think that's part of it. Um, but I also think, like, she just started to blow up on YouTube. At the time of making the video, she hadn't had much of a YouTube presence, I think about 10,000 subscribers. But in the last two months, it's gone up to, I think, 310,000 now. So I think what happened was YouTube picked up her videos, and because my videos are about her or related, they put my videos next to her videos, and then her followers have a direct direct view of my negative opinion on her. So I think, yeah, so I think it's kind of just finally bridged the gap between her, her followers and my followers, or and my videos, sorry. So let me ask you this, because, you know, I get a lot of negative press for what I do. Mm. I get a lot of people that don't like the fact that I'm speaking out for fathers and a lot of them are feminists and they hate me with a passion because I speak out against it. Because I think one of the biggest issues today is the feminists or the, the people that claim they're feminists now, you know, they're so far removed from what the true origin and meaning of feminism is you know they're like this crazy feminazi if you will aspect Mm. where you know a lot of them want you know it almost seems like a lot of them want to put men in chains (laughs) and you know someone that hears that may be saying what what the fuck are you talking about but seriously if you look at a lot of these hardcore feminist groups the ideology that they are pushing is you know the entire removal of the male part of the species away, getting rid of them. Mm-hmm. So, talking yeah. about make males third class. So I get a lot of grief about that. I mean, I get death threats now. Um, I get threats of violence towards myself. So, you know, I know how I handle it. I just kind of laugh about it. You know, I reached out to somebody that was pretty well known on Instagram and still is. And I said, hey, how do you deal with this? And, you know, I showed them a picture of my inbox and mm. a lot of messages that I was getting. And they said, well, you know, you just got to take it with a grain of salt because when you're getting these kind of reactions, you know that your message is being heard and that it's being mm. seen. And they said, you know, what happens when you turn on the lights and the cockroaches are in the light? They scatter. Mm. Yeah. They said, you got to look at it that way. So. With all the negativity that you get from the videos that you're doing, how are you handling it? Um, Sometimes I make videos on it. If I get enough of um, certain comments, uh, I made, I think, two videos reacting to the comments or bringing up the comments, uh, and that was definitely a good outlet, I find, personally, kind of laugh at at the people hating. Um, But most of the time, I kind of just brush it off. Like, it's kind of just like, robots they just drone on about the same thing over and over and over again or they call me the same insult over and over and over again and at one point on my youtube video as well i just replied ooga booga to all of the comments that were negative because that's that's how they all sound it's the same people or same same insult same story over and over so i just decided you know you guys sound like cavemen i'm going to reply like a caveman so <laughs> well done <laughs> 
done. I like that. You know, and it's, you know, the, this kind of stuff kind of blows me away because, you know, we live in a world where, you know, knowledge is truly at our fingertips. You know, mm-hmm. there's never been a time in history where we have so much knowledge right there at our fingertips. And it just seems like, you know, most people, they don't take the 10, 20 seconds it takes to, you know, go to Google, to Google something, to find out the truth mm-hmm. about it. You know, because I know what's out there, you know, about this subject, yeah. you know, for what I do and for what you're talking about, it's readily available. You can find it in under a minute, but it just mm-hmm. kind of blows me away that these people don't have the presence of mind to do that. Yeah. And they just, oh my God, this person that I idolize, they can do no wrong at all. You know, yeah. what they say is golden. So I'm not going to question that. You know, and I think that's a huge issue with society. I mean, we see it today. I mean, good Lord, look at the presidential elections that's going on here in the U.S. And I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. see it up there in Canada with everything oh, yeah. that's going on with Trudeau. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. You know, it's everywhere. I mean, I don't understand how somebody that is halfway intelligent, I mean, realistically, you don't have to be that intelligent to be able to see the bullshit that's going on. How do you not notice stuff like this? Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that blows me away. Well, and I had one guy reach out to me on my Discord, and this was when my video started to pick up traction amongst her following. Um, and he'd messaged me on Discord, and I was like, "Oh, great! Now this guy's in my personal inbox. Now he's messaging me, and he's like, look, 'Look, I'm not here to fight. I just want to talk. I want to, you know, go back and forth with you and whatever.' And me and the guy, I'm pretty sure he messaged you the other day as well. We had talked yep. about that on the phone." Um, but I've been talking to this guy, I think, on and off for about a month now. And he's like, he shows me some things from what Roma is saying, and I'll send him, you know, what I think on that. And then he'll send me, we'll go back and forth. And not one single time did he call me any names. And not one single time did I turn around and say anything negative back to him. And I even reached out to him a couple times for other videos. And the video I did on you as well. And I was like, hey, man, like, you want to take a look at this and tell me your opinion. So I think if the world could come down a notch and talk, you know, as a, as sane people, then I think uh, points would get a, get across a lot better. Oh, I absolutely agree with you that there's so much heated rhetoric going on in the world today on, you know, pretty much every single subject. You know, I don't think there's a subject out there that is not heated in one way or another. And it gets sad when you have, you know, these instances where, you know, you can't have this conversation. You can't have this back and forth with somebody because it might turn violent. You don't know, you know, instead of talking to you, they might just haul off and smack you or heaven forbid, kill you. Because I have seen instances of that, you know, they're, you know, down in Portland, you know, you got all that crazy Antifa shit going on, proud boys, you know, a hundred days of rioting, people getting killed. It, it scares me. It really does yeah. because, you know, this is not how the world should be. You know, if people could just foster an open conversation and leave all the rhetoric and all the motions and bullshit aside and just look at the facts, I think we'd be in a, a way better place. Totally different oh, place yeah. than what we're at right now. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I mean, from my personal experience with that guy, right, it was, he come in, he was nice and kind. I was nice and kind. And we exchanged information back and forth. And now I talk to him on a 
you know, semi-regular basis. And I even send him video ideas and stuff like that. And I mean, he may still support Roma. I don't know, but he's okay with my position on her and I'm okay with his position. So I think that, you know, and and that's an important thing. You know, we're not always going to have the same opinion on things. That doesn't mean that we can't talk. You know, we can't share ideas. We can't have constructive conversations, you know, because we can absolutely do that, you know? And it's just, it's ridiculous how it is. I know when he reached out to me, because he reached out to me the same day you did. He actually Mm -hmm. reached out to me first. And, you know, I was like, "Eh, you know, I don't know if I really want to talk to this guy because it's, you know, it's a volatile subject. And so I thought about it. I said, you know, hey, I don't really know her all that well. I said, you know, I talked to her on the phone prior to doing the show and then i talked to her on the show i said that's you know the only interactions i've ever had with her i said Mm -hmm. you know i don't know her from a personal aspect i said i know that there's a lot of questionable things surrounding her and what she does i said but you know that's entirely up to you and how you choose to look at that and view that i said i can only tell you you know she seemed fairly nice when i talked to her on the show and when i talked to her on the phone and you know, that was our interaction and, you know, that was it basically, you know, yeah. if you choose to, you know, follow her and listen to what she says, great. You know, that's, that's your opinion. You know, I mean, that may not necessarily be mine or yours or anybody else, but you know, that's just you. That's who you are. Um, yeah. So going forward, I noticed another thing that you had talked about was you want to work to help homelessness. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, right now, the way me and my girlfriend only have enough money for ourselves, right? So I also do live streaming on Twitch, which brings in a few extra bucks here and there. And one day, I would like to be able to take all earnings through YouTube and just put it towards helping homeless people. So at first, you know go out and show people that I'm actually wanting to help and work with these people because I was homeless for a little while after my mom had passed away. Mm -hmm. And those people go through hell. I mean, like, sure, some of them want to be, you know, free of their, the burdens or whatever. So they live in the tent and they move around and whatever. But I mean, a lot of vets come back from, from war and whatever, and they're all fucked up from the war and they have nothing, nothing to their name, right? The Canadian government doesn't help them. And I'm sure a lot of them would love to work if they could, but without a phone, without a jaw, uh, without a house, without boots, without gloves, without the necessities for, you know, actually going to get a job, they have no way to actually get employed to get out of the situation that they're in. And our homeless shelter here is at capacity quite often. So, so, you, my so plan, how, how big is your homeless population there? Would you say? Uh, it's, it's, I think when I looked, it was in 2014 was when I seen the stats for. So I can't tell about current, but I think it was about 250,000 people across Canada. So that's, that's, I mean, that's quite a lot of people, right? Um, and I think it was 5, 5% were vets or something. And that's only people who check into the homeless shelters that are actually recorded. So anybody who just sleeps on the street and doesn't actually check in, they don't actually get recorded. So that number could be significantly higher because I've yes, met a few homeless people. There's a lot that are unaccounted for outside yeah. of those statistics. 
Yeah, because like I've even even talked with homeless people, and they're like, "Why would I go to the shelter? It's cleaner outside, because all the all the the facilities are dirty. People are stealing your things in the night. You know, you're on a tiny bed like this, and there's a hundred other people right next to you, and it's they're like it's better for me to go find a bank to sleep in the doors than it is to to go to the shelter. So I mean, how many people have that same mindset, right? just sleep outside they never get accounted for so yeah, um, that is truly horrible yeah uh, and yeah. yeah like because i was homeless for a little while right my mom had passed away and then i was i was out on the street but i had friends and and close close friends and pals that i could go you know spend the night or two with them and uh, i only spent a few nights outside by myself and i mean that was brutal that was it was brutal it was terrifying it was an experience that I probably won't ever forget. Um, so hopefully I can get YouTube to a point where it's bringing in money and uh, other than just clothing and feeding them, I would like to employ homeless people as well. And I don't have a complete plan set out, but it would be something along the lines of like a hire them, l let them work with me, and obviously some people have disabilities and stuff, so I'd have to figure out a way to accommodate that, but get them to a point where they're stable enough to find like another full-time job as well. So I can bring other homeless people in off the street. And this way I won't have any like job requirements. Like you don't need boots. I'll provide the boots. You don't need gloves. I will provide the gloves. You don't need a phone. You know, I will provide whatever, or I'll pick you up here type of deal. So give them, at least a little bit more of a hand up in society because just feeding them is it's a short-term solution for a long-term problem, right? Well, it, it doesn't do anything. That's exactly it. All you're doing in that kind of situation is you're just putting a bandaid on the problem. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, their belly's full for the night, but what about the next day and the next day after that? You know, yeah. I think in some ways you're maybe doing them more harm then you are good because I look at the United States and I'm sure Canada is probably, you know, similar, you know, we have the resources to take care of the problem. If we truly wanted to solve the issue with homelessness, we have the ability. I mean, Jesus Christ, our defense budget is like $700 billion. You know, if you yeah. took $3 billion and moved that over to, you know, working with the homeless, you know, I have no, I no doubts that we could solve that problem in short order, but we don't want to for whatever yeah. reason, you know? And yeah, like what same thing about, here. The, the, that situation blows me away because these guys, you know, they sign up for the military, you know, they give the military a blank check, you know, do whatever with them that the military sees fit. And then to have these guys go to war, get fucked up in war, come back, and have nothing and be out on the streets. My God, that's a travesty. You yeah. Know, you have vets that fought for your country, living in the gutters, living under bridges, when you could do something for them and you could help them. But nobody wants to yeah. fucking do it. You know, that, that's the problem, is nobody wants to step up and do it. I mean, because if you look at the 1% in the country, you know, the Jeff Bezos, the Bill Gates, you know, the Elon Musks and all that, those guys have some ridiculous wealth that I read a report that was saying Bill Gates 
I think he's got like $900 billion or something like that. Um, it was either him or Bezos that was going to be the first trillionaire. I think it might have been Bezos. But at any rate, they were talking about Bill Gates has so much money. His grandchildren's grandchildren, 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 like 20 generations down the road from here, will never be able to spend all that money. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, and same same thing here. Like, we have money that's going out of the country, right, to to aid foreign countries, right? And whatever, to aid you guys when you guys had hurricanes and whatever, that's kind of a different story. I mean, we're neighbors. But to go all the way overseas to, to help foreign countries, I think that's when we have people at home who went to fight and, you know, some lost their lives, some lost limbs, you know, whatever, and no money, nothing's going to these guys. Like, that's insane. Why would we put money overseas when we could, you know, invest it in the homeless people that we have now, the vets that we have now, people coming home from, from war who are all fucked up or even, even just our mental health as a whole. I mean, my girlfriend and I trying to get counselors at all, for for just to talk on the phone two three month wait period that's insane like nobody can get mental health help right now nobody can and did they expect people to come back who have like ptsd and watch their their friends die and stuff and they expect them to come back and just jump into society with nothing it's, yeah, it's no. absolutely insane well it's insanity i mean there's so many different things that they could be doing different like like you were saying, the whole foreign aid aspect, you know, that really pisses me off. I'm sorry, but it does. I understand that there's third world countries where, you know, life there is shit, you know, and I can understand helping them out, but sending 20, 30, 40, $50 million to these countries every single year, you know, when you have so many major problems within your own country, homelessness, mental health, that's a huge one, suicide. And you're yeah. not doing dick about that? No, I'm sorry. That's not okay. That's not acceptable. Something needs yeah. to be done to change that. So I think, you know, what you want to do as far as helping the homeless, I think that is a very compassionate and very noble thing to do. So kudos to you, Skyler. I mean, that says a well, lot about who you are and your personality. Because like you said, you were homeless for a short time. You lived that life. You know how much it sucks. And yeah. you don't want somebody else to experience that if you can help them not experience yeah. that. So, you know, kudos to you. If there's anything I can ever do to help you with that, I'm in. I'll be more okay. than happy to help you any way that I can. Because, you know, that's something honest. That's something compassionate. And that's something, you know, that needs to be done, truly. I mean, you're absolutely changing lives by what by your willingness to go out there and do that. So, you know, kudos to you. Well, and like I, I've told other people as well, um, even the gentleman we both spoke with, he had asked me, he says, well, are you, are you jealous of Roma's money? Right. And I was like, look, man, me and my girlfriend have as much as we need, right? Like we eat every day. We're inside. That's all I could ever ask for. Right. So if I could get my YouTube to a point where it makes money, I don't even need to touch that money to live. Right. So then I could just put it all towards helping people. And I, then I'm just making videos just to help people. And somebody I look up to, I'm sure you've heard of him, Mr. Beast. I mean, that guy, he's insane. Like he, his channel's huge and he dumps 
you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars into just helping people. And uh, a tweet that he posted really, you know, hit home for me. He says, I want to operate my YouTube channel at a loss until the day I die in the name of helping people. And he says, I want to open homeless shelters and food banks. And I think that's great, but I think it needs to go one step farther than that because we have food banks, we have the homeless shelters, but there's still a huge problem. So I think I think employing these people and picking them up off the street is kind of the 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 main issue. I think we can go a little bit farther than just homeless shelters and food banks that fill up or get emptied within, you know, days. Yeah. No, I absolutely with you. My son is a huge fan of Mr. Beast. (laughs) So, you know, I've been introduced to Mr. Beast through my son. We've watched a couple of his videos and my son is always telling me the crazy stuff that he does. You know, I think my son was saying that he bought a friend an island. Something yeah, like that. yeah, they had a competition for a eight hundred thousand yeah. dollar island. Yeah, because yeah, that blows me away that people are able to do that. That's awesome. You know, yeah. so more power to them and more power to you. But we're getting ready to wrap this up, Skylar. So I wanted to give you okay. a chance to plug all your various channels and tell everybody about what you're doing. Okay. All right. Um, well, I think the most important one is my YouTube, which is just backs in action. Uh, the picture is like a little guy with like a spray can. Uh, and I post all kinds of different things on there. Uh, some of the content I'm not going to mention here just out of the nature of it. Um, but I also do like commentary or, you know, I call out people being assholes. Um, my most recent video is about, uh, prank YouTubers and how they're kind of, uh, the bottom tier YouTubers. So I think that's a pretty actually important video. Um, and eventually I'm pretty close to making money on YouTube with ads and eventually I'll be able to, you know, put that money towards helping people. I think that's the most important message behind my YouTube channel is I want to help people. So that's awesome. Well, I definitely applaud you, Skylar. Let's stay in touch. You know, I want to hear what you're doing and how everything's going. And, you know, like I said, once again, if there's anything that I can do to help you, um, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. Okay. Sounds good. I definitely appreciate you having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And, uh, let's do this again in a couple months, check back up with you and see where you're at. All right. Sounds good. I'm definitely going to keep an eye on your content. I enjoy what you're doing and I think you're a positive message for fathers. So keep doing what you're doing. as well. Always, always. All right, Skylar, I want to thank you once again for coming on. Hey, you have a good rest of the night, okay? You as well. Thank you for having All me. Right, Take her easy. All right, guys. So that was Skylar, a.k.a. Backs in Action. Um, go and check out his YouTube channel. Subscribe. Check out his Twitch channel. Um, you know, you just got to put in Backs in Action in YouTube and you can find them. So that's going to wrap up the show for tonight. I want to thank everybody for stopping in. And once again, I want to thank Skylar for coming on the show. Be on the lookout for the next episode of the Father's Truth. All right, guys. I'm Alan Donovan. Everybody have a good night. Thank you for joining us and listening to The Father's Truth. If you would like to be a guest or know someone with a story that needs to be heard, email Alan Donovan now at thefatherstruth at sohomail.com.